In a world filled with movies, it can be hard to choose just one to watch. What do you want to watch? I don't know. What do you want to watch? I don't know. What do you want to watch? I'm not deciding this. What do you want to watch? I asked first. Come on. What do you want to watch? No. What do you want to watch? What do you want to watch, Patrick? What do you Where even watch? narrowing down a you genre can be a struggle. How about we watch a drama? Too many emotions. Okay, then how about we watch an action film? Too many explosions. I know, I know. Let's watch a horror movie. Uh... Wouldn't it be easier to leave things to chance? Okay, talking isn't getting us anywhere. We need to figure out another way to go. Why don't we just roll some dice to figure out who gets to pick and what genre we do? Whatever. Here we go. Welcome to the Diecast Movie Podcast, where the movie we watch is decided by the roll of a die. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Diecast Movie Podcast. Today, I'm going to be doing a review with Joshua Kennedy of the 1927 cinematic classic, Napoleon, the five and a half hour version that was recommended to me by Mr. Kennedy. He said, Steve, if you want an experience, you have to see this movie and I did watch it the night before we're recording this all at one sitting, only taking breaks during the intermissions for like five, 10 minutes, stretch my legs, you know, and that kind of stuff. And Josh, I'll, I'll just say right now before we get started. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a perfect description. And I think I told you people who asked me about this movie, I say, it's not a movie. It's an experience. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's I don't even know how we're going to break this down because this is just, it's, uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> well, just, just before, just before we do get to the movie, um, I do want to talk to you about, you've had a movie that just came out this year. Yes. Which yes. is totally different than this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it has sound. It has just, a sound. Little, just a little. It has sound. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It has sound. Yeah. That's the big, that's the big difference. Otherwise they're exactly the same. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 there, and there's a little difference in the length. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just a little bit, just a little bit. Um, Cow, cowgirls <laughs> yes. versus pterodactyls. What, what do you want to tell everybody yes. about it? Oh, if I mean, for listeners of this podcast, I mean, I'm sure you, you, hear Steve's recommendations and all these different recommendations. It's a Harryhausen, you know, classic stop motion adventure, uh, very Valley of Guanji, Clash of the Titans. Uh, as someone described it, it was Clash of the Titans meets the Alamo. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I guess I can accept that. And I mean, if you're a fan of those old fashioned, mon- uh, you know, creature features, it's cowgirls versus pterodactyls. If you have Amazon prime, it's on Amazon prime. And uh, it was three and a half years in the making which is nuts. I, uh, I don't even know how uh, Abel, Abel Gantz, what's the director of Napoleon? How do, you, how do we pronounce it? Um, Abel Gantz, according to my son who takes French. I, I, I went through it. Okay. Because if you look, because it's G-A-N-C-E, but, mm-hmm. but the pronunciation is like G-A-S with, um, but they don't pronounce the S's in French. So he put it in his little um, phone thing for how to pronounce the word in France, in French. Mm-hmm. And it came back, ga. So it's abel ga. ga. Abel ga. Abel ga. Okay. Abel, yes. I, I can only imagine what he went through because I'm sure it was, 
years in the making and for Napoleon. So, I mean, I, I complained that it was three and a half years to make Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls. I don't even know how the heck he did <laughs> Napoleon after. It was originally nine hours, you said? Oh, geez. What a, what a monumental achievement. But yeah, so there's my spiel. Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls. Um, in, in front of a Napoleon review. I mean, the two, they, they work, they just they basically, you know, go together. Peanut butter and jelly. And I was <laughs> able to, for Cowgirls vs. Pterodactyl, interview two of your cowgirls, one of them, the lead actress, oh, yes. Madeline Wiley, and the other one who played the loner cowgirl, Danny Thompson. Yes, I cannot wait to hear. When, when can we expect that? Um, for those. They should be out before this review comes out. So they should already be out on our podcast. Oh, cool. Great. Excellent. Awesome. Can't wait to hear. For the first time, someone's interviewed, you know, cast members of my films without me, you know, standing next to them. So they'll be completely honest. <laughs> I can't wait to hear. Well, with some, with some creative editing, we can make it like they like you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please. Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Both of them, both of them had nothing but um, um praise for you. And, um, I know, I know Danny Thompson's working with you on a couple other projects and she said and something about, she wants to work on the thousands and thousands of other projects you have percolated in your mind. Oh yeah. I mean, it was with, I mean, every hour when she was here, she was here for a week and every hour we'd come up with a different idea for a different movie. So she, she's fabulous. Both of them, Maddie and, and Danny, they're, 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 they're ter- terrific actresses. They're, they're a lot of fun. So can't wait to, to hear those reviews or, or interviews. Yeah. They're more like conversations, but interviews, but, Eh, they're great. I mean, uh, hopefully they're great, but they were great. I mean, you get to cool. hear my voice, but really it's their voices that their stories that are what's worthwhile. Excellent. I can't wait. Can't wait. And speaking of stories that are worthwhile, let's del- let's delve into Napoleon. And this was definitely an experience. And the weirdest thing to me was until I started to read the, like the back part of it a little bit, you know, the cover, I yeah, thought yeah. it was his whole life because it's five and a half hours, originally nine hours. But no, it starts off with him as a schoolboy in a snowball fight and ends with the conquest of Italy. And he's not that even is, emperor so yet. That, <laughs> yeah, it's so funny you, you, you bring that up because I, I think everyone who watches it thinks the same thing. Oh, this is going to be the epic, you know, the life and death of Napoleon and we're going to see Waterloo and he's going to be defeated and he's going to be, you know, uh, banished to the, the little Island and, um, see, see the whole thing. And it, it's really nothing. It's like the first 15% of his life. And, um, I'm, I'm sure if you, you read up on this, that it was the director's, uh, vision to make six, movies and this was just going to be episode one it was going to be like big star wars all six episodes of napoleon's life and one episode was just going to be on waterloo and you're like holy crap this this nine hour movie i mean originally nine hours it's five and a half right now right yes five and a half yes five and a half hours that was just episode one and you're like what the most intense epic life-changing movie was just going to be episode one and then uh apparently he he couldn't raise the money to or he used the money for all six episodes just to make this one movie. And um, that's, that's just, just mind blowing. But yes, the fact that it's just the first, you know, 15% of Napoleon's life is, <laughs> it, it, it confused me too. Not confused, but just like, oh, okay. We're, wow. All right. <laughs> I look at this as one of the early tries at starting the franchise. 
You know, because nowadays we're always thinking everything is like picture one, and we're we're setting it up for all these other episodes or movies that are going to come. Uh, yeah, he went the same route, and like a lot of them, well, you know, sometimes um, the the money wasn't there when it when he went out to world. Uh, it didn't it didn't make as much as it, as it was anticipated because of the scale what? of it, and I mean, he wanted a full orchestra, opera singers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Three screens for the last reel, which watching it on TV, they have the three screens, but it, of course, shrinks down to go to the widescreen part for our listeners. Yeah. And you could just, I could just almost imagine it like an IMAX. If you could see that in IMAX, which, you know, he didn't know about back then, you get an idea what that would have been like, which is just being blown away. And he came up with so many innovative ideas to do with this it, it's just amazing where he was at was so far ahead of the game and i still think people haven't caught up to him because he wanted to totally immerse i felt like total immersion and i think the only thing that's starting to come to where he was at 1927 is virtual reality i think that's yeah what he was yeah, looking that, for. i mean that's 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 where his, his mindset is definitely at um yeah it's it's I wanted to, to, to comment on, on, I mean, again, the techniques and he's, when we talk about the, the, the listeners who are, are, don't know what we're talking about, the, the last 30 minutes, the last 20 minutes is, he's, it's, it's obviously it's a, it's a silent film, 1927, but the director it shoots it in a way, he shot with three cameras and he's 30 years before widescreen and cinemascope was a thing and what with Cinerama and he shoots these giant crowd scenes with three different cameras. And in his mind, he's like at the premiere, we're going to have three different projectors going at the same time. So we get this wide image and it's just incomprehensible that someone in, I mean, he's just foreshadowing everything that, that's coming handheld photography, which you don't see in silent films, very, uh, very uh, normally you don't, you don't you don't see handheld stuff and uh, the techniques and and it's as I, as I I'm going to keep saying it, it's not a film it's it's an experience because you almost forget I mean I always forget that it's a it's a silent film you, you you I try and recommend it to people and I was like okay Napoleon you need to see it it's a silent film and as soon as people hear either it's silent or it's black and white instantly. Most modern minds are like, ah, I don't, I don't want to watch it. And I was like, no, you should watch this because it's really not like it is a silent film, but it's unlike any silent film you'll ever see. It's because you get so immersed in it and you forget that it, there's no dialogue because there's, I, yeah, I, <laughs> you, you, I, yeah, I don't even know what, what, structure this conversation. <laughs> let's talk about being a silent movie how he got yes. emotion across because really they don't go to many um, titles, you know, like word, word, yes. words that they're saying his use of the extras is yes. I think second to no one, how he gets the emotion of what everybody is feeling at that time. So if they, if they're, cause this takes place, the French revolution is in this movie. I mean, there are so many um, historical points that he goes over and so there, there is a part where Napoleon's not really in it for a while because he's talking about the French mm-hmm. Revolution, which you have to do in order to do a historical justice. And, yes. and and again, if you knew you had nine hours, I mean, 
Why not indulge? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Why not? But it's crazy. I mean, to, to go back to you, you forget that it's a sound film. You almost, I mean, when I watch it, I don't feel the length. Everything seems to be, uh, with one or two exceptions, which I'm sure we'll, we'll get to, um, everything seems to be so purposeful and meaningful. And even even the, the little moments with, I mean, the, the little Violine, the maid, who people complain that her subplot doesn't really go anywhere. I mean, I, 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 I think all of it just, just it works. You don't feel the length. I mean, if you're, you get up during intermission, maybe you do feel it, but if everything seems to be, you can't really cut anything out, even though they've tried. And the, the version we're watching, the five and a half hour version, is the cut version from the original nine hours, apparently. But um, it, it's just you don't feel the length. You don't feel that it's a silent film. You don't feel Crazy enough, you don't feel that it's an older movie. It's like you said, it's almost virtual reality. There are scenes in there where you're like, was this shot? There are cuts that go so quick and so unlike the typical 1920s one stable shot of, you know, Charlie Chaplin walking down the street and slips on a banana peel and it's like, ah, ha, ha, and it's, it's sped up and fast forward and the frame rate isn't right. There's stuff in Napoleon where you're like, was this edited? For a YouTube video, like there's just so many quick cuts of, of for example, for people that don't know. Yeah, I was say, give an example film, so that people don't understand yeah. what we're talking about. The film opens up with Napoleon as a little kid and he's in the schoolyard and he's having a snowball fight with his fellow students. And it's a snowball fight. They're in this, this big snow fort, these kids. And... 10 against point, 40, 10 against 40. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. And they have the, the, the teachers looking out the window and watching. And at some point, Napoleon, young Napoleon, who we should bring up the, the, the actor's name, the oh, young man. Of Vladimir Rudenko. Yes. Um, Dan says he's the, the Dan Day, my buddy Dan Day, and your buddy. Um, he says that he's the best child actor he's ever seen in his life on any cinema screen. And I, I might have to agree with him because he's just, fantastic anyway at one point in the snowball fight napoleon takes over and starts ordering all of his soldiers to, to his soldiers his fellow students to start attacking the other snowball fighting team and you start the director starts giving you an idea of how his mind works and you see the kid look to one side and you see the snowball gets thrown and he, you start seeing him giving orders to different soldiers to different students and uh, you're, it's foreshadowing Napoleon's brilliant war mind that's going to come into play later on in the movie and just how his brain, even as a child, was just built for war and battle. And then we start getting cuts. The kid gets hit in the face with a snowball, and we get cut back to Napoleon. He's looking, then it cuts to another kid throwing a snowball, and then the snowball kid keeps firing. There's, the teachers are looking down at the thing. They're cheering on Napoleon. They start charging, and it's just cut so quick. You almost have to, you know, step step away from the TV just to absorb it all. And it you feel, I, I, it sounds so cheesy, you feel the, the snow and the ice and the, the energy of these cuts is making you feel emotions that movies nowadays don't do. It, it's so strange to be affected by such an old movie when modern movies don't even come close. Uh, if you, you want to add to that, it, it's, it's astounding. Well, what I like, what I loved about the snowball thing, this is one of the, this has to be the longest snowball fight in cinematic history. I mean, bar none. Yes. <laughs> and yet, you don't feel 
I mean, this opens right with the snowball fight, ladies and gentlemen. This is how this is how it starts. I mean, you're right in it, and you have the villains, the two young, the two schoolboy villains who put stones in the, the snowballs, and then you have a nod to down the road, the common man mm-hmm. who sees that and warns Napoleon they're putting snow stones in the snowballs. And then Napoleon showing that fierceness, that fearlessness. Yes. And, um, they were coming at, but also you had comedic elements when the snowball fights going on, you have teachers getting hit with the snow and they're laughing. You got the guy doing the baking or the cooking and he gets like the one guy opens the window. And stuff. So there are comedic elements intermixed in this movie. So it's not, just pure drama. He knew, um, God knew to add that, that stuff into it, to make it for audiences to have that, that, that humor because they're children still they're, they're young. They're like, I think teenagers, young teenagers. And you want, you want that humor in there. But one thing I noticed when the military strategy, and this is a, something we see all the time in movies nowadays, all throughout the movie, when Napoleon is thinking about military strategy, it's mathematical equations. You see it all the time. He's writing things down that only he can understand. Other people would be gibberish. And we see it. You, you see it what, like in Sherlock. You've seen it in the TV show Numbers. You, you've seen it in all these different things in the last 20, 30 years. I don't know anybody that did that prior to this movie and maybe for a long time after this movie. I think this was, again, so far ahead of how the show how he was viewing it in that, that numerical way. Uh, what do you think? Yes. No, yeah, ex- exactly. And, and we'll, 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 I mean, there are so many freaking techniques. I think probably every modern film technique of the modern day is in this film. It's, it's, it's insane. But to go back to, to how his mind works, that's one of my favorite scenes. I mean, it, it, goes, it happens throughout where he's, uh, it's later on, it, it's older Napoleon, and they ask him, how would you, he's not, commander yet or anything and, and one of the big generals asked him hey how would you defend the city and there's a moment where they, they lay out the map in front of him and there are two pinpoints of it's almost like like he's a cinematic he's like Bela Lugosi a vampire because they, they put two pinpoints of light on Napoleon's uh, eyes and his eyes start going and you cut back to the, the, the map and it's it's animated I, I mean I'm stop motion animated but you see like the little armies in cartoon form, and it's showing it's it's showing what what Napoleon is thinking of, like we're going to move the armies in here, and then you see the little flags be animated across the map, and it's such a clever way to show what he's thinking, and and his eyes start flashing, and, and it's how his his mind works, and what a clever idea! You think of of, of another silent film of the era, like I don't think they would be creative enough to show that they would maybe pull out the map and have him stare at it, and then you, it, we, we would get a title card of what he's thinking, or the Napoleon thought that, da, 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 da. And what, what a cool I, cool way to express an idea or, you know, how his mind works cinematically. It's, it's such a cinematic movie. <laughs> I'll keep saying that. Um, and listeners, you can take a shot every time and be totally bombed probably by the time this episode's done. Yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> But it's, it's, I mean, us, us discussing it, you really have to see it to, to get the full experience. I don't think our, I don't think any conversation will, will do it justice. You just have, you have to see it. But I will say film this. lovers. No, ahead, I, I don't think many people talk about this film because uh, for reasons you brought up earlier, being at its length, it's silent and black and white. This is 
um, I think in my my mind, a true definition of a hit. I never knew about this movie being a hidden gem until you said, Steve, you you have to wow. see this movie. I didn't. I did not know it was. Wow. I mean, I think I knew it was out there, but I never would have. It was never on my radar to go watch it. But as soon as you, as soon as Josh recommended it, I went and looked it up. I was like, oh, twenty bucks, I'll purchase it, and got the Blu-ray. Yeah. Definitely, you have to get the BFI Blu-ray edition. Yes, and I want to say it's region locked, so you need a region free player. But if you don't have a region free free player. What's wrong with you? I mean, if you're a movie lover, <laughs> you need, Dan, I'm talking to you. Uh, you, you need a region free player. Um, oh yes. And make, yeah, make sure it's the BFI, the red cover edition. Um, cause I, there are multiple ones out there, but this, this is the one, the most complete version out there with the better score. <coughs> Excuse me. <guys. laughs> and we'll get to the score in a little while, but it's just, uh, yeah. Yeah. But he was able to do by showing, Instead of talking yes. and so many um, directors, writers have that problem of it's the, of knowing the, the genre that they're utilizing show. Don't say, cause so many times they'll have yes. to have um, exposition, exposition, exposition. And you and I both grew up watching lots of films where here, where here comes the exposition drop, you know, boom, you know, it's yes, a, yes. To explain why so-and-so is happening. And, and this movie never does that, but yet you understand completely always what's going on from the direction, the acting, the writing. I mean, Abel Gall was just, I, 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 don't, I can't say enough about him. I mean, he, he's just amazing. Yes. And um, I, I have to admit, I haven't seen, I know that he's made, he made some other films, but I haven't, seen the other ones just because this one i'm afraid that it's it'll be like opening the ark of the covenant in raiders of lost ark i don't know if my mind could take anymore <laughs> i'm still trying to comprehend napoleon i don't know if i can take anything else but uh another example a good example we're talking about the snow snowball fight that the chase scene the, everyone is after napoleon uh, on this his little island and they're 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 after him uh the whole town is turned on him and there's this huge chase sequence that just goes on and on, but it's so intense. And at one point, they, they lash a camera to an actual horse. So you're riding, it goes back to virtual reality. You're literally riding the horse after Napoleon. And you're like, as an audience member, as a, as a film lover, you're trying to wrap your head around, wait, you, you or as a filmmaker, I'd say, you're trying to wrap it, wait, you wrapped a camera around an actual horse? Isn't that the most dangerous thing? But it just adds a whole nother level to the, the, the film, what other silence and what modern movie has that sense of reality, that sense of that, that visceral, there's no special effect. There's no, I mean, obviously there's no green screen, but there isn't any cheating with this. Like they're actually, and there's a few times where they'll, I mean, it's epic filmmaking. The, the horses slam into each other. I'm sure you saw that there was what, or like one of them wipes out and like the guy falls off the horse. Jeez. It's, it's an epic. And, to also add to what you're saying, I'm shocked as well that it's not more better known. It's, I mean, everyone talks, ooh, Orson Welles, Citizen Kane, of course, fantastic. Yes, I wouldn't argue with that. Citizen Kane is the greatest movie of all time. Yes, Lawrence of Arabia. But it's like, where's Napoleon? We need to add, put that on the list because that is it's just, it's, and I wonder if since it, it's had so many different versions that that has somewhat lessened its power. You know, like maybe someone saw 
you know, a cut version and was like, ah, I was, I just saw 15 minutes, but it wasn't that good. It's like, no, you need to see the whole thing. Maybe that throughout the years. Cause I know there's been multiple different versions and different cut scenes and they keep finding scenes in different countries and adding different scenes. I, I, I wonder if that has something to do with its lack of popularity. Um, that could, that could very well be true. And when you're talking about the, um, the scenes in, I think it was a Corsica, right? Like when he went yes. home, that was now, it was no longer the, the child Napoleon, but it was the adult Napoleon. Yes, yes, yes. Albert Dudenay. And, yes. oh my Lord, how did, they, he cast it for both versions of Napoleon perfectly. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. how, uh, and I think, if I remember reading correctly, when Albert Dudenay died, and, and and he lived a long time, all, you know, um, I think he was in his eighties or nineties. I mean, he lived a very long life. He put in his um, will that he, and his, his request was honored that he was buried in his Napoleon costume that he wore in the movie. How cool. That's I didn't know that. This is so again, it goes back to, I just mentioned Bela Lugosi, just like how he was buried in his cape. Wow. That's awesome. And uh, uh, I, there was uh, a story that I read that when they were filming in uh, Napoleon's original hometown, and all, all the, the villagers came out one night and they were all chanting for him to come out because he looked so much like Napoleon and they're all like cheering, Napoleon, Napoleon. And he came out and waved at them from, from the window and that they, they wanted him to come down and he went down and they had a big parade just because like they, to them, Napoleon had come back from, from the dead and they, they, they were, he was celebrated wherever he went just because he looked so much like him. And, uh, and I think that's the part where I think we don't know about it here in the United States as much. It's, yes. It's because it is a, you know, a hero of France and not a hero of the United States. And, you know, I think, you know, you hate to say it, but it, there is some ethnocentricity there. And, um, <laughs> and, and I think, it, which is normal, just like in France, there's going to be, yes. they're going to be, they're going to appreciate more French films than they're going to appreciate films from the of United course. States and England and so, you know, everybody has, you know, you, you root for your, your common um, home team, yes. so to speak. And, um, but this, yeah. this movie, I can imagine if I was French seeing this movie yes. would be, um, a patriotic experience bar none. Oh, completely. <laughs> I mean, I was feeling, I was feeling patriotic vibes and, you know, I'm here in Texas the furthest away from France you can get. And it's, yeah, I just, just like, like us making a film about George Washington or, or you know, it's like that's Napoleon is their hero. And, but I think for, for people that, that, that hear this and they're like, oh, it's about, it's a French thing. I think it goes beyond just being a French hero because it really, the way it's written and the way it's presented, he's presented as the underdog. He's, I mean, even from, from his time in, in school, I mean, and that really touched the court. The whole, uh, he, he's in school as a little kid and these, the two kids who are on the opposing snowball fight team, they're, they're just the meanest, grossest looking kids uh, <laughs> like the typical school bullies and they do everything to antagonize for Napoleon and oh, that, that really, really t- touched a nerve that they, the one friend that little Napoleon has is this Eagle, this, this mm-hmm. Eagle that, that, that he has and the, the two bullies let the Eagle go and, and, and throw it, throw the Eagle out into the night and Napoleon has, has no, no friends now. And it's, it's, just to see him as, as a little kid having to deal with all these odds, 
you start to feel for him and it, you, you really side with him. So it's really, we, we say it's a, obviously it's a French film, yes, and he's a French hero, but it really it, it shows more the, the humanity of you feel for him as, as, a, as a person, as, uh, as the underdog, like I said. And I think that's really the, the, the undercurrent. It's not, oh, he's so grand, he's everything. No, he's, he's, he's human and he's the underdog and you, you root for him, I think. Oh, I agree. I was rooting for him the whole time. And, um, what I was meaning was we were, when we were talking about the, it's no, it's notice in popularity. Why is it not rated higher in yes, the United yes. States? And that's what I was meaning. Um, Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. I agree. Yeah. And cause you're, you're, cause you know, Citizen Kane, you know, oh, it's Orson Welles, you know, and Lawrence yeah, yeah. Arabia, you know, it, it's, 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 you know, it, and I think sound has a lot to do with it. You know, you, you hate to say it, but, yes. but, as we yeah. said, there's no spoken dialogue, but sound is a huge part of this film. And neither one of us have seen this movie with the original sound. But mm-hmm. we did see, a, or did not see, but we got to hear the wonderful Carl Davis version of it. And he went down to the roots to, to find things that, Napoleon would have heard back in his time um, frame and, and based it on that. And also with the, um, the French and film and, and, and things along those lines, yeah. he was really trying to ground this into that part. And I, I, all I can say is he nailed it. Yes. I, that's it's outstanding. I think most of the, not most, a good chunk of the success of this film for me anyway, is the score. It's outstanding. And Carl Davis, he actually, I really, I've been meaning to write him a, a, a letter because he's still around and to just thank him so much because it was such, the first time I saw Napoleon, it was, it was spread over three days and it was such an overwhelming, even I watch it now, it's such an overwhelming experience and the music has so much to do with that. He just nails it and he, he lashes together pieces of classical music, like you said, that were from Napoleon's time or music that, that he would have heard at the time. His Mozart in there, Beethoven is, is in there, and it just uh, slashes, lashes them all together to create this cohesive score. And by the time the, the end, when you're watching the, the three screens and the, the score is just like bashing you over the head, I mean, in the best way possible, it's just triumphant and golden. And I can't help but like just be overwhelmed and start crying. The first time I saw it, oh my, I was a, whimpering mess it was outstanding even even now when i watch it I'm like geez this is so amazing uh, <laughs> but um carl davis by the way also wrote one of my favorite music scores for lon cheney's phantom of the opera there's a i think it's a bfi release and carl davis does the music for that and it's lon cheney's phantom of the opera and he does the, the soundtrack oh that one is outstanding as well um for those keeping score at home <laughs> i think wasn't he involved in Winds of War also? Uh-huh. You know, so for, for those that... Yeah, yeah. He, he's done a lot of stuff. But I especially love that, that Phantom of the Opera score. Um, I've not yeah, heard his rendition but, for that one yet, but I know from when I saw with this, to come up with five and a half hours of music and then record it with the orchestra live as the film's going on, you know, so they can get the, you know, the parts with it. He did. He he labored for months. He only had months. I think it was three or four months to do it. And what he came up with was brilliant. And if, and they did it in one day where they took breaks at the intermission. In, in one intermission, they took a long lunch break. 
or whatever. And then they came back. So they did it all from the morning into the afternoon. And so you can just imagine as a performer and conductor and doing that, that, that is something. Well, I can imagine when, when they, they do it live, I would love to, I mean, that must be a completely different experience. Cause I know he did when they, they, uh, did it back in the eighties or the nineties when they, they, they toured, it toured Europe and then it came over here. And I know Coppola, Carmen Coppola did, did his own score. I think it was 1980. 1980 yes. Both, both scores came out in 1980. That, yes. Yes. And, and just, to, I mean, we've, we've seen it on TV, but can you imagine we were talking beforehand, seeing the screen open up and seeing that three screens and just the, the exhaustion of, of <laughs> the orchestra after five and a half hours of constant playing that, that must be quite an experience. Um, I, I hope, I mean, who knows if it'll, it'll come back around or, or they'll do a revival, but man, I would love to see that. I know, I, I know it played at Radio City Music Hall back in 1980 when it in New York City. Um, man, it'd be nuts. Well, it'd be great if they did it in six years for the 100th. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Ah. I'm going to start saving up. <laughs> Wherever it is, wherever it is, Josh will be like, I gotta get there, and I'll film. A, I gotta I, get there, I, and I'll make a film while I'm there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, so like if it's in London, perfect, great. Yeah, what an it, and it's an experience. How did you watch it? Did you just on your your flat screen or your your TV at home? Yeah, yeah, flat screen at home. Um, I was about five feet from it. You know, just just nice. just taking it in and 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 um. There, there were a couple parts where it dragged for me more in, in X two and three. Um, the thing that t- took the longest for me was the victim ball. That was the one thing I felt that was just a little too long for uh, me. Ah, yes, yes. Um, I, 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 I can see that. I think for for me, it's it's more of a a, a relief from 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 the the, the it counterbalances the, the darkness and everyone getting their heads chopped off and the guillotine and the reign of terror and everything i think it is a nice i i, I can see what, what what you mean but for me the, the the little subplots there's a little maid violine who is in love with with napoleon and that's a lot of people that they say that that's their their least favorite part and i agree it's it's, it's a little clunky but um it, it's i even i want to say the director said that that was him trying to add a little love interest, a love, love thing for audiences of the time. And I can kind of see that it doesn't bother me. I think the strengths of the movie outweigh the weaknesses. I mean, like the strengths of just like astounding, life changing (laughs) cinema, incredible, you know, magic that's happening. And the other scenes outweigh the little, creaking parts but yeah the, the little dance and, and there's some nudity in that too where it's like okay i uh um in the little the dance of what, what was it called the the, the, the ball, victim, the victim's the ball. ball those that survived don't, yeah in order to be in the victim's ball you had to have been in prison um during the revolution or had a family or had a family member a direct family member that died at the guillotine mm-hmm. and um, of course it was, it was it was i shouldn't say it was it was it was for the the um the well-to-do Yes, yes. And uh, it's interesting to see, I mean, Napoleon's uh, reaction. He goes to the ball and it's just like, he says something along the lines of, if you if France is left to the whims of these, he doesn't say idiots, but these partiers, we're, we're doomed if this is what, what's the, the future of France. And it's, it's an interesting contrast 
And like I said, it, it counterbalances the, 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 the horrors that they, they dealt with. Um, but yeah, that's act three. How many actors? Four, four acts. Four acts. Then the intermissions acts, are yeah. um, after act one and after act three. And then, mm, and then when yeah. you come back for act four, act four is, is the breeziest act of them all. I mean, you get in. And it, it, yeah. it, it really, if you can make it to Act Four, you're home free. I mean, it is just <laughs> because you're on edge. You're on the way out. Because <laughs> once they get, once he gets to Italy, it is you're on the, and then it goes. It's it's the three screens. You are just on the edge of yeah. your seat, and and just jaw hanging. Your mouth is hanging open. Your jaw slack. You you are just dumbstruck. You know what, what what's going on visually. And so, so what for for you when when that. The screen opened up, and you, you talk about being awestruck. For you, what was it? Was it the fact that it was just a silent film doing widescreen, or what was it that was just so? For those listening who haven't seen it, what about it is? We're trying to to make it. I, I think we should be more specific. Like, what what is it that's so inspiring about it? Well, to give people an idea, it's not just a large screen. It's not just cinemascope. It's three different film. It's three different screens, and what Gall did a lot of or God did a lot of is the middle screen would be Napoleon or other things. And then in the other two screens would be um, like the battle or the movement or whatever. And you'd see Napoleon looking on and it would flip around the different parts of it. And I think where a lot of movies, you just see the close up, and then they would cut away to the other parts here. You're able to see everything as a way that Napoleon is supposedly seeing it. And I think when you take that in, it's just like, wow, that, that is just something where you're just able to, with your eyes, you're, you're not sure where it yeah. takes a while to look. And then you just have to let yourself go and try instead of trying to let you focus yourself, let the movie focus you onto what you're seeing and just go for the experience. And you feel like maybe it's one of the, you can feel as one of the soldiers that's looking up in Napoleon or, you know, or yeah. you can look at the other way. You'd be, looking at from Napoleon's point of view and looking at the soldiers and it's all on the screen at the same time. And, and when the men yeah. are moving, they're showing different scenes of the men moving at different spots. And it's, it's, it's just mesmerizing and how you're just drawn in again. I, I think my, my, my phrase for this is the immersion that you're getting from this film is, I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, is I'm sure exactly what almost any filmmaker would want to have their audience do was where you feel you are in that group. And I think that's why he focused on the extras so much. Yeah. 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 Well said. Very well said. Um, it's the, the, just the utter immersion into the scenes and the story. And yeah, you're right there when he's on top of the cliff shouting at his men, you're right there and you can't hear anything he's saying, but the music is telling it for you. And you're like, yeah, I'll follow you. I'll follow you in Italy. I'll do whatever you say, Napoleon. <laughs> it's yeah. It's, it's overwhelming. It's not to just, the senses. The mu- it's not just the music. It's the, the extras reaction to mm-hmm. what is being said. And I think, you know, again, that's where we go back to show don't tell. And, and you know, what's going on the whole time. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, and then, and then they start, they've, they've done it with different things. It's, it's not just black and white. It's tinted at a lot of times. Yes. And then when he gets they're, they're victorious, they're, they're tinting the colors of the three different screens. Yeah. And of course, what colors are they using Josh? The colors of what? Of course. 
of, of the French flag, of course. <laughs> if one screen is red, one screen is grayscale, and the other is is blue, right? Correct. Blue. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's that, that that when I first saw that, I was like, "Wow, this is just incredible." Yeah, it's 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 that scene, especially with with the three screens, where you have Napoleon looking down at the men superimposed over him is the globe and how he's thinking about, you know, conquering. I, that sounds so mean conquering the world or just the world is at his feet. Then you have, you're superimposing the world and his wife on top of that. So you see that, that the world is his wife. His wife is his world. You see the battles, you see the Eagle soaring above symbolizing, you know, hope and, and his, his dreams and, Oh, it's, 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 you see the map of where all of this superimposed at the same time. And you're right. You're immersed into it because you could, you almost decide what you, what screen you want to watch. And each screen is doing a thousand different things at the same time. It's immersive, like you said, and overwhelming because what movie overwhelms the senses that much. And it's again, crazy for a silent movie to just do that. It's, it's, I, I, I'm trying to think of, of like a, in terms of modern films, like maybe a new, the latest Mission Impossible in, in IMAX with a zooming down on motorcycles and you're like, whoa, this is crazy. And you're, you know, jumping off of helicopters and all sorts of things. Like, no, they did this in 1927 and didn't need, you know, all these stunts and well, and, and they didn't need Tom Cruise. They, they, <laughs> they did it with, with filmmaking, with the cinema, cinematic experience. Can you imagine what it was like to see this in 1927? with a 1927 audience, it would have, must have been indescribable. I mean, we're having trouble describing it now. Can you imagine then? It's nuts. Especially because then you're adding something that nobody's done, I think, since the, the singing, the singers. And I think uh-huh. some of those things, they passed out to the audience in France, the, the song. So everybody in the audience is singing with the movie. Yes. Could you yeah, imagine yeah. that? I mean, that's total... You're, I mean, you know, you and I both know how seeing a movie in a theater, in a cinema, yeah, and how you get that 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 experience is so much more dramatic or funny or whatever or horrific when everybody in the crowd is going ha 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 or or whatever you know or drawn yeah, or yeah, drawn yeah. to or emotion, cheering. yes, or cheers. Yeah, could you yeah. imagine you're singing with the movie and everybody's singing with yeah. you and 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 it's a patriotic type song. You know, and the, it's the, the I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation. La Marseillaise, la, the, the, I mean, it's, it's the French Revolution victorious song, yeah. La Marseillaise, and and of course, everyone in, in France that's their national anthem. They all know. Can you? So yeah, you're right. Start singing with the the the, the singers on screen. Jeez, that would be freaking awesome. And uh, um. According to Carl Davis, he he, he uh, performed it live in France, and that the, that famous line of Napoleon's where he said, "Impossible, impossible, it's impossible, we can't do it." And Napoleon says, "Impossible is not French." That everyone stood up and started cheering too. So yeah, oh, that would be a completely different experience. We're just watching it on our little TV screens. Can you imagine <laughs> with a French audience and an orchestra on three massive screens? Uh, that yeah. that would be something, you know, it's just, and you and I have yet that you and I have only scratched the surface so far on this movie. Cause it, it's, we, we've, we've, we've talked about the, the three screens. We've talked about yes. 
the the camera on the horse. We've talked about yes. using the snowball fight. The snowball fight. We also talked about how we used the, the military tactics with that montage. Yes. Yeah, montage, yeah. montage, montage. I mean, you're watching this, and the way the the one I'm going to bring up with um, it's, it's, it's the, the montage is when Napoleon before he goes to Italy stops by at the um, I think it's the council, and there's the convention, it's, the convention, the, the convention. The, the, yes, yes, yes. And nobody's there. He knows nobody's going to be there, and he's there, and it's the spirit of the revolution that start to take over in the thing. And you're seeing images, all these different people from that, what that was introduced earlier in the film and how they, they're talking to Napoleon and it's, it's, uh, you were just watching it and you can just see, uh, you, I'm sure you've had times where you reflect back and you're thinking about different things and like, Oh, I remember this. And, 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 you're, and you're picturing that in your mind and here we're seeing yeah. what he's picturing in that audience and what is motivating him. And there, there's, that's just me. It's one of them, but there is, there is lots of it in this movie. I mean, it's a, a tremendous amount yeah, done. Definitely. Yeah. That's, that's one of my, my favorite scenes is, is him coming back. Cause that, that's the, that hit of the personal core. I mean, this movie just is full of little things that, that touched me. It was like, geez, yeah, this is cause it's, so there's so much humanity in it going back and seeing how far Napoleon has come and him coming back and almost paying respect to the people that, that helped him get there and seeing the different members of the revolution. But, uh, to talk about the convention as well, there's the big storm scene. He's, uh, escaped the Island and he's, he gets in this little, uh, skiff to escape the Island to get, get dinghy. Yeah to get back to France. Oh, and I lo- I'm sure this, there, there are a few moments in the film where it's they kind of take a little bit of historical Liberty and they add different things. And it never bothers me at all. I'm like, that is so freaking cool. I, I'll, I'll accept it. Uh, he's the, he, the entire Island has, has conspired against him and they're after him. And that was with the big horse chasing. And he goes to the town hall and rips the French flag off of the, and I should I keep forgetting Corsica. Is it Corsica? Corsica. The, the island, yeah, his home, he, his he where, he, where he where he um, was born. Yes, and the island they're they're deciding to go. They're under French rule, but they want to go with the British, and so that's why they're after Napoleon, and they don't want him to and his family there. Anyway, so he has to escape, and he rips the the, the French flag off of the town hall, and he says, "I'll bring it back to you when you deserve it," or something along those lines, which is so you know awesome and cinematic. Anyway, he uses the French flag as a sail for his dinghy and he, he, he sails off as a huge storm is approaching and the, the, the film uses the storm as a metaphor for Napoleon entering into the pages of history. They use something, something like that. The storm is going to launch him into the pages of history because at that same time in the convention uh, at, in, in France, they're deciding to get rid of the King. And there's, I mean, it's tumultuous. They're, they're ripping apart the government and just it's a storm, a literal storm and a metaphorical storm. And the waves are crashing onto the camera. I don't know how they got these shots. I still don't know how they get shots in the modern day of getting water on the camera, but there's shots of the waves of the ocean crashing over the camera. And at one point it's, it's they're cutting together a montage of the waves hitting the camera and the camera on 
I want to say it's like a giant pulley rope thing over the convention hall where there are thousands of extras screaming at the, the king and they're, they're fighting and doing all these things. And the pulley launches the camera from one side of the convention hall over them, swings over. It's almost like it's, as if it's on a drone. It swings over their heads and it swings back. And you cut that together with Storm and Napoleon holding his flag and then trying to stay afloat. And it's such, a, a, again, an immersive experience where you feel that the waves and the, the water and the people screaming and, and the, the cameras going crazy. And you, you, again, you don't see a handheld camera in, on, in films of this age. It's, it's such a, a weird thing to see, but as an immersive thing, like you said, of the camera sweeping over the heads and, and lightning and wind. It, it's, oh, it's, it's an incredible Incredible scene. I will say, I think how they did that in the um, the convention scene, you probably you probably know too. I bet they actually used a swing and attached the camera yeah, to it, it some, and just it's some probably, holy thing. Yeah, it's probably something so simple, but yet, yeah, you know, people try to make things. It's just a man. I can imagine him coming out with this stuff, saying, to, talking to the cinematographer, it's like we're going to do this. Yeah, we, yeah. We, we, no, we we've never done it. Well, we're going to try it now, and and, and we're that's gonna what do we it. Yeah. Mhm, mhm, and it's it's almost a, a shame. I was going to say this earlier: a shame, a, a loss for cinema that he didn't get the money. Of course, he didn't get the money to to, to do all nine films. Can you imagine what what else he would have come up with? Six he films so far. Ahead of, yeah, the, the six films. He was so ahead of the game, and and typical with with you know a a, a genius or, or someone who is, is so ahead of their time. He, the film was was too big for for, for the, the time and projectionists and especially American Hollywood people didn't understand it. They're like, "What? We're going to lug around three projectors to every theater? There's no. You want an orchestra? You want singers? This isn't going to work." And they cut it down. I want to say they cut it down to like ninety minutes, and that was the version. Whatever that it Americans is, they, saw they butchered it. <laughs> they butchered it. Yeah, yeah, and and cut the, the whole magic of it out and. Unfortunately, he was never able to, to, you know, make more of it. But, um, yeah, it's just ground groundbreaking stuff. And, and um, yeah, I, I do you want to say something more about the storm. I mean, there's so many great <laughs> moments in this movie. It's five and a half hours of great cinema. It's, it's, it's outstanding. It, oh, it is. And I'm trying to think of some other things that, he did, you know, like, like, one of the things I do want to bring up was the battle of, I think it's Toulon. Yes. Yes. And how he shows up there, he starts off as the, um, one of the artillery commanders and how he moves yes. up in rank as the battle is going <laughs> yeah. on. And one of the things I want to bring out to, so people don't think that, Got was just showing war and showing it in all its goodness, like in a sense, you know, like a lot of war pictures don't show the bad sides of it. Oh, yes, oh, yes. This battle, you see horrific, horrific scenes. And I remember yeah. this one hand coming up from in the mud, it's storm of rainstorm. And it's like, try, it's like this person's trying to find some kind of solid ground to pull themselves out and they can't find anything. And then you see the hand stop moving. And, yeah, and yeah. there's scenes, all of that, where you see the people, the wounded crawl, and he shows the horrors of it. Yeah. He he gives a very good balance of it. It's not just all 
you know, hoopla. It shows the sacrifice that people had to do. And it was just, you're just watching it. But also at the same time, he puts a comedic element in there with the boy in the drum. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you get the, the whole the whole the whole gamut, the, the comedy and and that just it 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 almost supplements the glory that they because you you see the sacrifice of of what the men had to go through and the fact that they're in the rain and you I, every you, you you bringing up the 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 that that battle scene I instantly was got cold and like wet I was like oh god I remember that but I was like it's just a movie I wasn't there but uh, it's it's just that that visceral experience and they have the, the huge battle scene and and but yeah there there's something I want to say that there's the hand sticks in my mind because that 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 struck a chord with me because crawling out of the mud but there is a man who gets his leg rolled over on like the wagons going and you see it's like. I don't know how they did that. If it's a fake leg, it looks freaking great, freaking real. And there's also a thing where a cannon ball explodes and it's almost, it's a dummy of course, but for this real quick, the dummy explodes. There was like a dead body on the ground and like a cannonball. And it's like, Whoa, how is it? What a violent thing, thing to show. But so what I was getting to after the whole battle and they find, they finally win. There's just a little scene and I, there, I, there's a title sequence that I, there's titles before it, and it's like the sacrifices that were made or silence after the battle. And there's just a few minutes of just Napoleon standing in the rain, seeing the dead and the dying and the people, you know, wounded, crawling in the, in the mud. And it, it gives you a, the sense of that sacrifice, like I said. And it's, it's, oh, it's powerful. It's, it's very, very, very powerful. And, and also when the generals, the higher up in the command came to congratulate the victor, the, the, the one who did it, which was, yeah, which yeah. goes back to the snowball fight where who was the victor, you know, and, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they found him asleep on a drum and he just, and they didn't, yeah. and they, they couldn't, he couldn't be woken up because he was just so exhausted because he spent that night, you know, worried about in, in the men that did that sacrifice. And then, and then he was, I think again, this film shows so many times it's the common Frenchmen yeah, that yeah. were so drawn to Napoleon. Where it also shows back from the schoolboy days that the um, th- those in the higher upper crust don't like him as much because he was not mm-hmm. one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was a he was kind of a loner. He was very. Um, very, he didn't speak much, you know, but when he spoke, it was powerful, at least in the movie, I'm, I'm assuming that, the, and a lot of the, the word things that they have him say were historic and, yes. you know, and that kind of thing. And it, it was just, but that, that movie sequence and the battle was just yeah. so amazing. And also the other thing about it with the sacrifice, he had the drum corps yes. and, and the drum yes. corps all of them are are dead or whatever. It's one guy, and 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 then you can just tell where where Gaulle's going. It's like, and then well, the drummers couldn't drum, and they needed the drums, so hail came, and they had the drum set up, and the hail was making the drums play. And, yeah, yes, that's and that's another one of my favorite moments. It's because it's, it's 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 at the beginning they they add a, a a thing at the very beginning of the film. It says. It's one. It's an actual quote from Napoleon, where it's like, "I would love to see what an artist 
thinks of me and how I would become my own uh, poetry or my own legend or something. And I love that because the, uh, the film is so obsessed with getting the facts and the quotes right. Every time there is, is a, an actual quote from history or an actual event from history, the title card at the bottom in parentheses says historical. Like this is actually pulled from history. But when sometimes, like I said, pulling the flag down and saying, I'll bring it back to you. I'm using this as, as a sail for my own ship. There are some things that are just, it, it's so perfectly poetic. And I think that the hail, I don't know. I'm not sure if that, that, that was real, but if, if, even if it wasn't, that is such a poetic addition to, to history. I was like, that, it just adds to the legend. I love that. The hail is, is one of my favorite things. And going back to the convention with, with the ghosts is, is another one of my favorite things. And, um, to, to go to talk about real quick, the techniques of, of the different techniques. There's one part that astounded me. I, I <laughs> this whole movie is astounding, <laughs> but there's one part where, uh, it's, it's Napoleon runs into his future wife early on in the film. And there, there's, he, he, we, we get, a, it's kind of like a meet cute and she, she sees him on the side of the road and, her wagon splashes water onto his boots, but his boots were made out of cardboard because he was so poor that they, they kind of dissolve and she, she's like, <laughs> laughs at him. And later on in the movie, I want to say that's like act two, maybe where the, the, we, we see that. And then later on in the movie, when he, they finally meet up again after the French revolution and everything, and they fall in love. But there's a moment right af after the, that whole scene with the boots in, in later on in the film where they meet again and we get, it's almost like the first use of a flashback, but it's done like within three seconds. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, he, he sees her and I forget, I'm blanking on her name. Josephine. But, jo Josephine. Yes. Josephine did. But, 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 but. <laughs> it's, it's a big French name. Wow. or something. And Josephine. So he sees Josephine again after all this time. And like within the space of one second, we get, a shot of him from the earlier scenes getting his boots dissolved from the water. We get a shot of her laughing at him and we get a shot of him looking at her laughing at him. And it's, it's done so quick. You get it. And in 1927, you're like, Whoa, I just saw a flashback in one second. It's like, boom, 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 boom. And you get it. You're like, Oh, of course she's the woman from before. And that stood out to me, still stands out to me. It's like, Whoa, is that the first use of a flashback? <laughs> like, was a flashback even a thing? I think she was introduced in, in, near the end of Act One. Um, yes, it was very early on, and then we, we get a callback to that with just that quick. When you're like, "Whoa, cool!" Because look, there's a, a cast flashback. of thousands. We're not we're not mentioning all the actors that were in this, but yes, but yeah. I want to ask you about this. Speaking of the actors, a lot of them when they introduce yes. a different character, they'll say, "This is so and so," like like, and they'll give a little like a, like a one sentence description of who they were, and then it has yes. the actor's name. Yeah, I love that. Yes, and I didn't is. I've never seen that. I mean, I've never, I've, I've seen a good amount of silent movies, but I, I don't remember seeing that in silent movies where they put on the title thing when the new character is introduced, this is the actor playing them. <laughs> it, it's, it's rare, but I, I've definitely, I've definitely seen it before. And so it, it's, it, but I, I love it. I, I think that that should be more, I mean, silent movies aren't a thing now, but I, I, that's such a cool little, little, because especially with this film, there are so many actors and characters and thousands of speaking roles and all sorts of things. I think it's, it's, it almost helps when you see that there's, it was like, okay, there's, there's an important character here because we see the actor's name. 
And and what are they going to do at the very end? I mean, after nine hours, what are they going to do? Like a credits roll? Like the, the, the credits roll will be 10 hours itself. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I've seen it. I've seen it before, but it, it's definitely rare. But uh, Could you imagine yeah, if you had yeah. an, an end credit scene? <laughs> oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> that, that would just and be- there's also, a, 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 talking about, I mean, flashbacks, there's a, li- a lot of foreshadowing. Like we said, the snowball fight is going to come up later on. And it, like, even at the very end, it calls back to the snowball fight. Um, but even the, um, the island, I had to look this up because there there was a big, in the, in the classroom, Napoleon is a little kid. This is at the beginning. St. Helena. And, uh, yes, yes. The teacher is, is mentioning like the climates of different islands and he brings up St. Helena or St. Helen or anyway. And there's a moment where young Napoleon looks at it and there's like the sad music and you notice that he's being very melancholy about this one island. And I looked it up. And that's the island that he was eventually going to be banished to. And I was like, what a cool, I mean, again, very poetic that young Napoleon would feel such sympathy for this little island. Um, but it was a cool, a cool foreshadowing um, cinematically. And that's where you talked about the one person who played the maid or the, 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 um, the, the, the infatuated youth um, with yeah. Napoleon. And I think where people say, well, nothing really happens. People have to remember this is just part one of a supposed yes. six part thing. So I think it was just they were building her up for the future yes. parts. And so yes, it was it doesn't seem like she did much. I did I had no problem with her at all because knowing going in yes. that it was not gonna be the full story. Then finding out it was supposed to be part of six parts, then you, when you understand that, um, then you understand, okay, a lot of this part was setting up and, and, and there's certain things, but the one thing that I was surprised, not surprised was, but really he did not like Josephine because he said, because <laughs> he said she's good mannered and this, and that, but amoral, you know, they were, they were setting her up yeah, for yeah. those future things uh, because yeah. of course she had affairs going on before Napoleon after and after they got married mm-hmm. historically, so he was setting up for her to be, um, yes, very um on the on the wrong side of it. But that it, that's it, it, just kind of interesting, you know, how that was all set up. But yeah, but according to what I've read, yes, they got divorced. Yes, he got remarried. But when he was dying, to the la- one of the last things he said was her name. Oh, I love that. Um, wow, yeah. Uh, very interesting. I like that, that you bring up that that uh, the little maid Violine or Violine um, that that they were that because that, that makes sense. That's the one explanation of why. Because I've often thought of that. I was like, her plot doesn't really go anywhere. But you're right. This was part one of part six, so maybe she had a bigger part later on in, in the second one or the third one, or she turned out to be you know his sister or so. I didn't really. <laughs> like, we want to follow Star Wars or something. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I love that. I never thought of that. That's, that's a great point. Great point. Yeah. So I just want to, you know, this might help some of the other people out that have seen it and you know, think like, well, it goes, well, yeah, I remember now who knows? We'll never know. Yeah. And, and she's not an historical yeah, character yeah. from what I could find. So it's, it no, was, I it think her and, and her, yeah, her and her father were, were, uh, made, were um, fictional written, written for the movie. Like you said, there's, there's another word I'm thinking of. I can't think of it. <laughs> Another thing I wanted to bring up that I thought was 
great foreshadowing of the culture that was going to come, especially like with the Beatlemania and things like that. When Napoleon was the hero and he comes back <laughs> to home and, and, and does, I think it was, I think it was when he um, saved Paris and he's still yes, living yes. in this small little apartment above a store or something or whatever. And he's there. And all, all of a sudden, this is how the scene starts. People he's there. He has another guy and you see him switching hats and you see him switching clothes and you see two people holding the door with the, as much force as they can. Then you see all these people trying to get to Napoleon and it's basically, he's like coaching him what to do and like yeah, lift, yeah, your hat, yeah. lift your hat, lift your hat. And then he leaves, people don't recognize him. They think that Napoleon's in there. So here he has this double doing mm-hmm. all this stuff to the crowd and he just goes out and leaves and right out in front of his door, which is already was established prior to that. They have vendors selling Yes. Figures of Napoleon, which um, the maid, um, Viola, Viola, whatever her name is, bought, buys yes. one earlier, which comes to play later on in the movie. And uh, mm-hmm. and, and I'll tell you, they, they can really take this movie in different ways. Seeing it now in eyes, I mean, I know they were saying that like, like she was like worshiping him, but it was almost like, whoa, this is almost like a, you know. <laughs> They could have they could have this go in a dark way because it's like almost like a fatal attraction type thing going. Yeah, right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, but, yeah. But I find, thought that find was just, the eagle boiling in a pot. But I just thought, you know, before I jump to that part, you know, the celebrity thing where you have to, you know, yeah. But people don't know what he looks like too well because mm-hmm. this is before you have all the cameras and all the things where people can see exactly what he looks like and how he was still able to get away, but. I thought that was that was yeah, yeah. that was humorous, and even even the the, the, the but you, you get it's, it's humorous yes but you get those close ups of, of the extras and there's like one older woman that's just like crying just because she's so happy that you, you just sense the the passion and, and the, the happiness and the joy that these these people and they're extras they're ex like the greatest extras in the history of <laughs> there's just there's so much emotion behind it. Um, also wanted to point out earlier that um, they, they film on actual locations. Again, the, the, the trying to stick so much to the historical reality and the actual quotes. They film. I mean, I always love when films do this. They actually filmed in Napoleon's original house, and I'm sure they were filming in the actual land that he that he wandered upon, the actual battlefields. The, the, they're very much stickler to that reality and again the, napoleon is a god to, to, to the french i mean they want to if they're you're going to make a movie about napoleon it better be the freaking greatest <laughs> movie ever made so even there, there's a title card that says these scenes were filmed on the actual locations where this happened i i, I just had to bring that up that's that, that's just awesome yeah that was in corsica um i know that they put that up there you know yes, for that, yeah. that part and you talk about being a god now, now to finish off the thing with the maid she sets up a little altar in the room that she's staying yeah, yeah. with candles and everything. Cause when she, cause I saw her bed and I saw the cover and I'm like, Oh, being a modern, I've seen this so many times, you know, like, like with different things, like I know what's going to be in there. And as soon as she opened up, like, yep, I called that one. Right. Yeah, yeah. But back then <laughs> this could have been the first time, but it wasn't taken at least with the first film in a sinister light, which is done with virtually every other time you'd see it. Oh, Oh yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 at least with this, what we have 
in the film. And it was completely, she was just in love with him and, and, and devoted to him and was, you know, heartbroken when he, she, he married someone else. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's get back to the battle stuff. Let's get something cool. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, she, she was innocent and I, I don't think it was meant to be sinister at all, but I, I, I know where, I know where you're going with that. I know, I know. What you're yeah. But what I was just saying is that's how, uh, one thing I want to bring up that always drives me nuts personally when I hear other reviews and things like that where people or modern day will talk about films from the 50s or earlier and they say, well, audiences where they want as sophisticated as we all today. Oh, you know, yeah. I hate our sophistication that. level is so different. And I call BS because. Thank if, you. Yes. Because if. Yes, they did have a in one movie where the guy pointed a gun at people and the audience supposedly jumped or whatever. We got people that eat Tide Pods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because they see it on and, TikTok. And, I mean, come on now. They're, they're, mm-hmm. All throughout history, I'll give you this. There are idiots all throughout history. There's geniuses all throughout history. And then there's the rest of us that are in between. Uh, yeah. So... For somebody to come up with films like this, or Citizen Kane, or The General, or pick, you could pick so many from that, the, the 20, 30 year period, The Phantom of the Opera, Blonde Cheney yes. Sr., or, you know, for them to have such great talent and ability. And you're trying to tell me, oh, we're more sophisticated now. We have different technology yeah. than they do, that, that, that then. but I call BS with the sophistication thing. I do too. And the other the other thing that 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 drives me nuts is the uh, you talk about the, the, the shooting the gun the big legend that when they showed the train that people ran out screaming I was like I don't I I I, I don't buy that they might have like jumped but I don't think it's like they, they screamed that they had to you know have hospital nurses on just like no they didn't they weren't we're not any like you said we're not any smarter or more sophisticated than they were it's just I, I can't stand that and, and it's funny one of my film professors. Professor Zilliak brought that up. She did, I was like, "Yeah, you're right. Why do we just automatically assume that they're they're they were stupid enough? Oh, the train's coming! Everyone run out of the of the of the, the theater." Yeah, no, I, I I call BS as well. And I think part of this is because we always want to look at it. I think this is not just current society, but I think all throughout history, you always want to think that you're better we're than much, what, we're better than it was before. Like think we're, 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 we're we've yes. evolved. We've moved forward. Uh, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. And I think, yeah, if you, and I think if you had a very well, I think if you took people from back then and then acclimated them to current society, they fit right in. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if anything, this film is a perfect example of that. Cause I mean, I'm sure you and I together have watched, in total, like years of film, like how many thousands of, of, of film, films and movies and TV shows and, you know, different things. And to have a movie from 1927 affect, still be so effective to us who have seen thousands of hours of, of film, to have a film from that time affect us, that, like that just proves, and, and what modern film has, has, or any film come close to having that much of an, an impact. It's, it's a perfect example of a, of, of what we were just talking about. There, there's one movie I saw earlier this year that came out a few years ago called Arctic with Mads Mac, Mac, Mickelson, or Mickelson. Oh, yes. You told me about it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that one is, is very, it's almost like a silent movie. 
because he's mm. by himself. There's virtually there's very few spoken words. That one was also extremely moving. So there are films out there that can and grip and, and filmmakers that can grip you and take you for that immersive ride if you allow them to do it. And sometimes you have to be willing yeah. to just let it go. And I think there is a lot of stuff that um, God did that was um, very obvious, you know, like with metaphors and things like that. And I, I think part, if you, if you had a movie, you had to think too much in this particular thing, then you're losing the immersion that you want because now you're taking yourself out to try to digest what did I just see instead of going through it. And, and there are films that are very intellectually challenging where you have to figure out, well, what did they mean by that? And I, and I find this interesting. I read this just earlier today, probably 10 minutes before we sat down. There's a certain filmmaker who does not like this film and is on record of not liking it. Oh, I think I know. I, I think I know who you're talking about. Stanley Kubrick. Yes. 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 And I think because they're two diametrically opposed visions and yes. of how they want to go and do films. And, and he's just like, Oh, it's amateurish. It's this and that with the, he, he, he liked the techniques that were used, but he was just talking about the plot and the thing. And I think, but his message is different where Stanley Kubrick's is more thought provoking. Intellectual. Yes. Yes. And, yes. And I think they're just, they, they, they're coming at it from two different ends of the spectrum. And like, yes, they're not going to like each other's work. I would think. Yeah. Well said. Yes. And I, I know Kubrick wanted to make a, a Napoleon film for a long time too, and never got it made and stuff. And yeah, this is a great point. It's two completely different mindset, uh, wanting to tell their own version of the story and, and, yeah, but but he was he did say uh, it's I don't know what his poll quote is, but it's like a masterpiece of cinematic invention. So he was at least aware of how how influential it was. Um, and I think yeah, it's, 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 I didn't want to to go back to what I said. I didn't want to say that no film like Napoleon is you know the gold standard. It is the gold standard, but there are I mean there are modern films that that can, can definitely engross. I don't want to say it's the only gold standard. There are definitely modern films that that can. I thought. Uh, what was the movie that just won Best Picture? Like the, the uh, not Spotlight. Uh, it was one word. The artist. No, no, no. It was. Uh, I want to say it was Korean. It just won Best oh, Picture. Parasite. Was, Parasite. Parasite. Yeah, oh. That that oh. that is a movie. That is talk about playing the audience like a guitar. That was what a ride that was. And so I, I just to clarify, I didn't want to say, you know, filmmakers should give up because nothing is going to live like Napoleon. Nothing is going to top Napoleon. I, I didn't want to say that. Um, it's up there, but they, modern films are, can still like Parasite. And yeah, it's, 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 I just wanted to clarify that. Well, that, 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 but yeah, you said you, I'm sorry, you mentioned you, Arctic and I, I need, I need to watch that. Yes, for sure. Yeah, Arctic is, is just an amazing film. I think, um, I'm trying to remember the directors. I think it was Joe Perry or I'm not sure mm -hmm. off the top. I'm, I'm going, I'm going off the top of my head, uh, but it was, his, yeah, yeah. that was his first film. Wow. Cool. Yeah. He, he was known as um Very cool. on YouTube as the guitar, the mystery guitar man or something. So he did a lot of YouTube videos and then ah, and eventually cool. moved on to um, the big time, so to speak. You Good know? for him. Sweet. Good for him. But I mean, and I'm trying to think we, we've covered so much with this movie and I know there's a lot to cover, but 
I'm trying to think. I don't. I've, my main thing is, I think we're trying to get across to everybody. And I think we've done a pretty good job. Is you should get this movie and watch it. Um, I don't think it's available in the five and a half hour length on any streaming service that I know of. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Do you I, know I agree. Any? No, and um, I mean, just if you're a fan of films, classic films, of silent films, you owe it to yourself to see this movie. I mean, pay. Roger, pay the two dollars. I mean, buy just buy the Blu-ray, buy the <laughs> the region-free Blu-ray player. It's it'll be worth it. Again, if you're a cinephile, if you're a cinefan, you you owe it to yourself. I mean, all the wasted years that I didn't see this film. Jeez, uh, it's 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 really worth it. Um, your wasted just, years. Just, you're you're like half my age, and you're like, oh, all these wasted yeah. years. And I'm like, I just saw it yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> No comment. No comment. Uh, <laughs> but I, don't, I don't look as yeah, anything is wasted. I think every film we see at the appropriate time for us to see it. Amen to that. I love that. Yes, and it's perfect segue because I want didn't want to leave without without at least mentioning this. It came me personally watching it for the first time. It came at a a low point in in my life, and uh, I mean not not to get you know all depressing and everything. But I had just finished House of the Gorgon and House of the Gorgon, which included four of my great idols um, from from old Hammer films. And I brought them out of retirement to be in this movie. And I thought that I had peaked and uh, people can still say that I, that I peaked and I can never recover. But <laughs> me personally, I was like... I was like, this, this is, that's it. I, I achieved my dream and I can't do anything. And I, 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 I mean, it sounds silly to me now explaining it, but it, it was a big problem for me. I was like, what can I do now that's going to top this? This is, I'm at the low point of my life. And again, it sounds ridiculous and, you know, diva E over dramatic. And then this movie came along. I was almost on my knees. Like what, what more can I provide to cinema? And this, I've done it. I can't do anything else. And this film came along and I watched it. And it is just such a wonderful eye-opening experience of just like, I haven't even scratched the surface when it comes to movie making. This movie is, it was, I don't want to say life-saving, but it was a great boost to, to my life. And as I mentioned before, I was just, every time I watch it, I just sob. It's so overwhelming and powerful. And I, I can't recommend it highly enough. You need it. I mean, I would recommend, I know you did it in one sitting. Uh, I would recommend splitting it up over three days. That's how I do it. Just because it is so much. But if you want to do the whole sit in, do it in one sitting. I mean, by all means. Um, but, but I definitely recommend taking breaks during intermission. <laughs> yes, yes, please. Uh, get some water, go to the bathroom, do something. But yeah, again, if, if you're a Cinefan, I, I recommend it. It has my highest recommendation. I, I, again, I agree with you. It's, it's one of my highest recommendations. And part of the reason I'm glad I did it in one sitting is because it just builds with the emotion. And, yes. and that's one of the things I wanted to do was, because you, I remember you and I messaged back and forth, and like, you did it in one sitting? And they're like, wow. And I was like, well, I wanted to take it, go through it as it was intended to be done. It's one cohesive yeah, piece. Yeah. And and breaking when it was supposed to be a break. And, yeah. and I'm glad I did it that way. Um, because again, when you get to that end sequence, it's, it's, it's almost like the movie breaks you down emotionally, <laughs> no, emotionally. And, you know, for yeah. all the stuff going on, because the, with the French revolution, all this, 
and if you and if you know history, which like I do, um, I, I've, I've when I went to Taos, when I went to university, I studied in social sciences, which is history, political science, geography, sociology, all that stuff. So I knew when they mentioned the island, I knew right away what they were referencing. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I knew, I knew, so I was able to catch a lot of these references and, and a lot of the names I was familiar with. Doesn't mean I can pronounce them, but I was familiar with them. <laughs> and fair enough, fair and, enough. And that kind of thing. But that's just because of my background was different than yours. And I think, and, so when you're going through it and you're feeling that emotion, that immersion, that going through yeah. the journey. And I think that when you get to that last reel, you're just, it's like, it, it's beyond words because you're trying to say, kind of, kind yeah. of describe it to people. But when, when you've gone through it and you get to that, that last spot and then you're just like taking it all in the wow. triumph yeah. of Napoleon um, with Italy. And again, he never gets the whole movie. He never gets to become the emperor. You know, he does marry Josephine, you know, but I mean, it's just, no, no, no we're not getting away spoilers. This is history. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Part one, man. Part one of six, which we'll never see the other five. But uh, yeah, you're, you're 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 right. It's it's indescribable, and it's unbelievable that we even try to describe it on this <laughs> this conversation because you really got to see it to believe it, uh, to experience it. Yeah, it, it, it was definitely tremendous. And um, Josh, as, as listeners know, has done a couple of reviews with us. Inherit the wind, which was our very first episode. And then he was yep. also involved with us in um, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, our number one episode in movie reviews that we've done. It's our number yeah. one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And, and, you, and, and, and um, Inherit the Wind is also in our top five. So you are in two of our top five episodes. All right. Sweet. I could have sworn we did another one. So I guess, was that it? Just movie reviews? Because we we've done Stanley Kramer. You and yes. I did an interview. Oh, that's what it is. Yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, and so, and then this is just, but this is our, and I've noticed a trend. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think this trend is going to continue after this movie. Each movie's gotten longer than the prior one. I think, I think, I think, we, I think, <laughs> I think, I don't think we, we're going to beat Napoleon. Is it's the the high score? Yeah, I don't think we're going. <laughs> that's a great point. It's almost like it's almost like a we said it's a mad 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 word. We're like this is a long movie. And it's almost like Josh said to me. Steve, hold my beer. Here's Napoleon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got nothing. This is nothing. That's true. It's funny. But yeah, this is the first time Josh got to pick a film. And um, because he's been so nice. Yes, we didn't do the dice roll for it. But Josh has been so nice and, and helpful with us with other reviews that we were doing that we had the die rolls with for our one year anniversary thing. I just decided, let's do it. And people wondering why Ben and Michaela are not on this episode as for Josh already mentioned earlier, a lot of people are turned off that it's a, a five and a half hour silent non techno color movie. Yeah. And, and, and the people and, are, um, and that is a barrier. And, but if you are the mm -hmm. type that loves silent movies, you have to see this movie. If you're the type that likes filmmaking history and to see things when they were, Literally the cutting edge to see how things started. You have to yeah. see this movie. I think, I, I think it's must see viewing for filmmakers. I mean, if you're a filmmaker out there and, 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 you know, 
want to see how how to tell a story without dialogue. It's just such you learn so much. You can learn so much just by watching this. The first fifteen minutes alone, you're going, whoa, okay, cool. How to how to immerse your audience, how to tell your story with with limited resources, with with no dialogue, with with uh, it's 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 a, it's a film class of its own. It's just 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 watching it. <laughs> Correct. And, and I agree with you on all the, and I'm just saying there's, these are reasons people, if you want to feel totally immersed in a film, this is the film for you, you know? So, I mean, so on those three points, if, if you check any one of those three boxes, this should be a film you should do. If you, I hate to say, I, I'm just saying if you're the average film goer, that is probably not the film for you, you know, cause, cause, yeah. cause again, you're, you're probably, you know, not into it, but if you've listened this far into our review, I think you're not the average film goer. Yeah, and I yeah. think, I think we've already got, we've already tempted you like, like um, Eve with Adam in the apple. Yeah. And it is the red <laughs> case. One you want to get the red case. <laughs> it's the apple. Yes. And then I trust me, if you give it a shot and surrender to it, you, you will be, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I can't see how anyone would be disappointed with this. Just, just give it its shot, and yeah. And and the other thing I want to end with with this review, you are very similar to this filmmaker, who's similar to a lot of other filmmakers, where it always comes down to the funding. You know, he couldn't get oh, the other yeah, ones off yeah. because of funding. <laughs> Orson Welles, classic. He had so many other films he would have done, but he couldn't get the funding. Mm-hmm. Um, you, yeah, you and I yeah. will have to do an Orson Welles one. Of, maybe F is. F is fake. F is for fake. F is for fake. Yeah, yeah. Or Touch of Evil. Love Touch of Evil. The, With my boy Chuck. Chuck Heston. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. It's like a double whammy for you there. Yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah. But, but F is for fake is just, it's like a movie and a movie in reality. It, yeah. it, it's, oh, well, I, I don't want to say much more because I, I want to just tease it. Tease it. You know, yeah, and, and yeah, listeners, yeah. if you want us to do F is for fake or Touch of Evil, or just about any Orson Welles movie. <laughs> I'm in for any any Orson Welles. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you I, see, uh, what was the the other side of the wind that just came out? His, his unfinished film. Did you see that? It's, I haven't seen that outstanding. yet. I haven't seen that yet. No. Oh, highly recommended. Um, I will draw the line on Transformers the movie. I don't know if that would really, you know. Yes, it is an Orson Welles. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'll draw the line there too. Yeah. But I don't want to be crying like I'm all over the place when, when, you know, it happens in the end of that movie, you know, be like, no, yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, that kind of thing. But really it comes down to people supporting independent filmmakers or filmmakers. And I know Josh is not going to toot his own horn or whatever, but again, you know, cowgirls versus pterodactyls house of the Gorgon. And he's got a bunch of other films that are on alpha um, or oldies.com. Um, but you could, you can watch, Cowgirls versus Pterodactyls on Amazon Prime, or you can go where Josh and get the Blu-ray with behind the scenes. Yes, yes. the Blu-ray at gooeyfilms.com. It's G-O-O-E-Y-F-I-L-M-S.com. Gooey Films. And you can get the Blu-ray, which has a lot of bonus features. The making of documentary that's an hour long, and thanks for that shameless plug <laughs> to do plug my stuff. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I enjoy it, and uh, for, for listeners to know, I did back it on Indiegogo, you know, at the time, and I was able to get thank you the Blu-ray and 
a signed cast photo. <laughs> oh, cool. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. So I was able to get those those two per and a copy of the, the the original script, which is a lot different than the end product, which a lot of films do have. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and if you want, putting it mildly. And if you watch the behind the scenes, you'll find out why there was so many alterations in the script. And uh, let's just say lockdown has a lot to do with it, you know. And, oh yes, oh yes. Um, also, that same website, they can get House of the Gorgon still on DVD, right? Yes, we have. We're running out of copies, but until they are run out, you can get it on there too. House of the Gorgon. And I know you mentioned it has the Hammer Ladies on, and Hammer Ladies and the Gentleman. It's like, it's like three ladies and yes. a gentleman. It's like three men and a baby. Yes, <laughs> three ladies yeah, and a yeah, gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just just so you can name drop them, so people that are listening to, who are not familiar with who's in the movie. And obviously, get a copy so soon. Caroline, they're almost gone. <laughs> Caroline Monroe, uh, famous. She was in The Spy Who Loved Me with Roger Moore. She was in Dracula AD, 1972. She was in The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. And I, I she she worked with the trifecta. She worked with Christopher Lee in Dracula AD, 1972. She worked with Peter Cushing in At the Earth's Core. And she worked with Vincent Price in The Abominable Dr. Five. So she got the, the holy trinity of classic horror. And so Caroline Monroe, Martine Beswick, who uh, was Sister Hyde and Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde, she was, she's one of two Bond girls who were in two James Bond films. She was in From Russia With Love and Thunderball. And she also got to catfight Raquel Welch in One Million Years B.C. Veronica Carlson, who got to work with Cushing and Lee. Cushing in Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed and Lee in Dracula Has Risen from the Grave. Fantastic, wonderful actress. And Christopher Neem, who was Johnny Alucard in Dracula AD 1972. And he was also in the Bond film, I'm blank, it's the Timothy Dalton one. Was it A View to a Kill? No, no, no. License it was. to Kill? License to Kill, yes. I need to kill. I want to say it's that one. Yes. And yes, it was License to Kill, and he's in that. And they're all fantastic actors. And so it's a love letter to Hammer Films, as if you can't tell how much I, I love Hammer Films from past interviews. And yeah, House of the Gorgon. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It won the Rondo for Best Independent Film last year. And yeah, if, if you enjoy that, I think you'll, you'll find much to appreciate in that. And also, for those that are Martine Beswick fans, she is the narrator in Cowgirls <laughs> versus Pterodactyls. Well, she's my eternal muse and wife, so I have I have to. She, <laughs> we made a joke. There, someone made a joke that it was uh, how Christopher Nolan always uses Michael Caine. That's how I, I'm going to keep using Martine <laughs> throughout all my films. She'll be our, our little cameo. But yes, she narrates Cowgirls, and she also uh, has a part in. Well, she'll, she'll be in every future movie from now on, somehow. As the way it should be. Yes, thank you, yes. <laughs> and um, for those listening, um, at the end of this, if, um, when we're done, when I say our goodbyes and everything to everybody, um, the end of the episode, we're going to play a little bit of the music of Napoleon, the, the movie, yes. so that way you get an idea what the Carl Davis music is like. Um, and, and, and really, I'm sure you're going to enjoy it as much as I and Josh did. Uh, or Josh and I did. Don't want to sound like we're incompetent with our language. <laughs> <laughs> but Josh, again, thank you again for joining us on this episode. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. And for listeners, um, 
Stay tuned for the next episode where it'll either be an interview or a review, which is decided usually by the roll of a die. So look forward to getting feedback. Everybody have a good night. Hope you enjoyed it. Goodbye.